This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Hello and welcome. Today is March the 31st of 2022. This is episode 106 of the Best Friends Podcast. My name is John Dunn, and last week we heard all about the Best Friends Shelter Collaborative Program. This partnership-based concept strategically matches two organizations, sometimes more than two, but shelters that have a proven track record of achieving and sustaining the 90% save rate benchmark. They're paired up with a shelter that's still working its way toward that goal. You can read our manuals, you can read our playbooks, you can listen to the podcast, but there's a lot of value in being able to really just have a conversation and have somebody who's been through what you've been through, who can talk to your boss, who can talk to your staff, who can just let you know that what you're feeling is valid. That's Carrie Ducote with Best Friends. That's from the episode last week. As always, not a prerequisite to listen to that before you listen to this, but if you did catch last week's, you heard Carrie talk about the growth of the program and their goal to bring on 40 new shelters. But with hundreds of shelters in need of this type of peer-based support, we hope to see you take initiative and help each other outside of this program. You don't need to be in it to do it. So in this collaborative program, it's not a one-size-fits-all. All of the relationships are unique, and it's based on a number of factors. This example of a partnership may or may not fit your situation, but there are some great tips about how to structure a mentorship such as this so that everybody gets the most out of it. Check out the show notes area of your podcast player. That's where you'll find links that will help you learn more about this. And if you prefer, you can always email us here, podcast at bestfriends.org. I'm more than happy to get you to the right person who can help you with this or with anything for that matter. Just send us an email, podcast at bestfriends.org. Casey Renteria. I am the executive director at Ardmore Animal Care Animal Shelter. I have actually been in this facility for 19 years, and I've only recently taken over as director the last four years. And so that's kind of when we've started making a bunch of big changes. So Casey, your organization, you know, you're the fellow in this mentor fellow collaborative partnership. Can you tell me what that means for you? So basically, you know, this program, we were so excited whenever Shelby contacted us and said, hey, I've kind of chosen Ardmore. I see y'all's numbers. I see y'all are struggling. I've been here a long time. And when I first started, our numbers were, you know, 25% save rate. And they've struggled since the last, until the last four years. And so getting into this program and being offered all these resources and some of the funding has really, things I thought would happen in the next 10 years are going to happen this year. So it's just kind of escalated and opened up so many more doors and opportunities for us. That's it's, it's extremely exciting cutting back on some of that struggle of trying to find your own resources to do things, Googling things for hours to <laughs> try to figure out what you need to do, making million phone calls. It's just kind of there. Anything and everything you need is right there. You know, I can ask Kristen, which is our one we work with, with best friends, you know, I need this, this, this to get this going. And she's like, okay, here it is. And um, so it makes it so much easier and so much quicker for us to see better results. So you said the save rate was very, very low, 25%. But the last four years or so, that's when things started to change? Yeah. And so in let's say in 20, 
11, 2012, our save rate was right at 26%. We are currently, I think last year was right at 70%. And so far this year, we're at around an 85 to 95% in these last couple of months. So it's changed drastically. And a lot of that has changed because we were able to, you know, five years ago, our foster program was non-existent. We finally got that going. That helped tremendously. And then in the last two years, we finally made a few transport connections. And so that has helped. It's just all those new programs that we didn't think we could accomplish in the past and we didn't have the funding to accomplish in the past um, slowly started taking shape um, once I became director. And so with this, like I said, with this program going on now, it's going to open up even more doors. Um, You know, one of the big things we're wanting to do is get our own transport vehicle, which has always been our struggle with transports. Everybody's always had to come to us. So now we'll be able to actually meet them halfway instead of having them have to do all the legwork for us. Mind-blowing progress, Casey. So congratulations. You know, I've been in animal welfare a long time now, but I've never worked in an animal shelter myself. It's very difficult for me to to understand. I'm not sure I ever will. I mean, even when I visit shelters today, they're doing well. I still don't think I could do it. Uh, and of course, looking back to shelters 10, 20 years ago, 19 for you, you know, it's really a testament, I think, to, to you for never giving up. So uh, again, congrats on the progress. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely not all rainbows and sunshines when it's, especially years ago. So I'm glad it's finally improving. You know, every once in a while, I have a few new staff members. And every once in a while, I tell them horror stories from how it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whenever I started working here to what it is now. And we were trying our best then, too. It just it just wasn't possible at that time. Um, and so it's very different. I feel like some of my staff now is a little bit more spooled, even though we're still struggling. Um, they've never seen it as bad as it was before. You know, so they're kind of, they have a more positive attitude. They don't get the burnout as much as, you know, a lot of my staff did back then. <laughs> People were just cry, leaving and go home. And now there's more hope. And so I think that's why the staff I have now is kind of sticking around more and they're more dedicated because it is more positive outcomes than negative outcomes. Okay. So now let's turn to your mentor in this partnership. Tell me who you are, where you are, and what do you do? Sure. So my name is Shelby Waters. I'm the executive director for the Surus Valley Animal Shelter. We're located in Minot, North Dakota. So we are a very rural, very cold uh, city and shelter. About three years ago, we became no-kill when I became the executive director. That was one of my hard stipulations to take the position. Through that, went through a pretty robust capital campaign, raised about three and a half million dollars, built a new facility. That really reflected what we envisioned for North Dakota and other rural communities. And it's all all been going up from there. Best friends asked me to partner with a shelter of my choice. My husband is actually from Ardmore, Oklahoma. So it was just kind of a no-brainer since we were moving back to Oklahoma that uh, I would partner with Ardmore to help them hopefully achieve what SVAS was able to achieve three years ago. It's so great that your desire was to give back in this way, Shelby. Uh, I'm curious, in this relationship you know, what is, I don't want to say what you're required to do, but what are the expectations for you as the mentor? Sure. So we oversee the grant funding part of the uh, mentorship. And so that means whatever Casey and I discuss in terms of projects or what needs to happen in Ardmore to turn the ship around, we discuss it, we come up with that plan, and then we distribute the funds for it. But as a mentor, it's also my responsibility and Casey's responsibility to ensure that all of those projects lead to saving lives and lead to the ultimate goal of becoming 
no kill. And so far, I think we've done a pretty good job. And a lot of the time, it's it's simply going back to basics. So what do intakes look like? Um, is there good pathway planning? What do the SOPs say for infectious disease control and so forth? So we've been working on those. And after that, I think we will continue to go in the right direction with just building on top of that really solid foundation. Well, Casey, back to you. I'm intrigued about the changes you've made since the partnership started. Shelby said a lot of it was just going back to basics, right? Looking at data. Can you give me an example of something that you've done, maybe that you hadn't thought of, but something that you don't think you would have done without Shelby in this partnership? And there were several things that, you know, you kind of think might need to be done, but you don't really know how to do it. But then one of the things Shelby had mentioned, um, and we actually started beginning of the year, was kind of trying to divert some of those intakes um, and try to kind of, we cut back on our hours for it before it was just any and all times people were dropping them off. And um, we were struggling at the end of the day, you know, we'd be here hours after we closed trying to get those checked in, which was really taken away from our adoption side of it because we were so limited on staff. And so kind of Managing those intake times, um, having people schedule appointments for those owner relinquishes, trying to get them to hold on a little bit longer, things like that, that we didn't think the community go, would go for in the past. We have implemented it and it's actually been going very well. What role did Shelby play in that shift then to, to managed intake to that model? You know, how involved was she in helping you get that going? A lot of moral support, I imagine, you know, where she's saying, hey, I get it. I, I get the concerns, but we did it. And look, it's worked. Correct. It was just kind of her saying, hey, we did it. And I looked up other places that started it too. And I was like, oh, she's right. Let's try it. <laughs> you know, Because um, we were really just worried about the backlash of it. We didn't want people to ever think that, oh, we just don't like, no, that's not what we're here for. We wanted them to know, yeah, we're willing to help you out, but you've got to kind of help us out too. You know, if you really want this animal to have the best in the long run, work with us. Um, and so that has definitely been I think the greatest thing at the moment that we were always scared to implement before. All of these partnerships seem to have just their own sort of uniqueness. Uh, and the thing that probably is the most unique with yours, I would think, is the geography. You know, you're doing this travel back and forth, Shelby. You said you're still the ED of Souris Valley. Uh, your husband is from Oklahoma, but still, you know, I, I have to think there are differences between the two communities, maybe even culturally. What do you think has made it work so well? Well, I, I will say I am from Oklahoma, born and bred here and went to the University of Oklahoma. So I feel like I culturally fit in more in my home state than I did in North Dakota. But I, I think I can answer that in two ways. And I, I want to first say that while we're the mentor at SVAS, we are learning so much as well. We, we don't have these um, large parvo outbreaks the same way that Ardmore does. And so this has been a learning opportunity for us to understand how to manage parvo um, if and when it hits our facility, but also the like exceptional increase of heartworm positive animals that, that go into Casey's facility. Um, heartworm exists in North Dakota, but certainly not at the scale that it does in Oklahoma. So even learning through transport and collaboration and just and just talking how to manage heartworm and, and what to do with regard to the process has been really interesting. But in the end, I think for me and what I've expressed to Casey and what she's hit on already is when you talk to your community, it makes everything easier. Just be honest. And even with discussing our wording on how we wanted to say you know, Ardmore's ranked as the ninth worst shelter in the U.S., you know, do we want to say it that way or do we want to fluff it? 
And Casey and her team were like, no, we want our community to know that like we are euthanizing animals at a high level and it's because we need to make changes, but we need their support. We need their support at a very high level. And I think it's worked pretty well for UKC so far, at least. So yeah, different, but but not too different because communities typically love their animal shelters. And I think that is in all 50 states. Whether it's a community or others in animal welfare, I mean, let's be real, transparency, it's not easy, right? When things aren't going well, particularly opening up uh, you know, the books, if you will, can be very difficult. And it takes trust to do that. Casey, I'm guessing that Shelby's connection to Oklahoma and her knowledge of the area made a big difference. But, you know, for you, how did you decide, yeah, this person, this is uh, someone we should take this step forward with? You know, I do think a huge part of it was because she did have Oklahoma ties. Because, yeah, if she had introduced herself as that way, we probably all would have been like, okay, like you don't have you don't have a clue what's going on in Oklahoma. Um, but since she does have a lot of Oklahoma ties and she's, what's my word? I'm curious what this word is. I'm, I'm ready to hear. <laughs> like, this can go either way. But no, it was going well. I didn't want to say intel- it was a different word than intelligent, but you're smart enough to know that Oklahoma is not like North Dakota. And since she, like I said, was from Oklahoma, it did kind of make it more, we knew she knew the struggle here was completely different than North Dakota. I was 100% on board immediately. I will say not all of my board was. They were kind of like, oh, this is too good to be true. Are you sure you want somebody else coming in and telling you how to do things? Like, and I'm not that way. I'm like, if you, they're willing to help me, I'm willing to take help, you know, <laughs> whatever. And so it was kind of a struggle on the board's part. And we did have to have several meetings um, for them to realize it's not a too good to be true thing. This is just going to open up opportunities for us. But yeah, I immediately was all for it. Like I said, you know, I've been in this position for years. I wanted to see it improve. I didn't want to just get stuck in a spot where I felt like we were getting to where we didn't have any more opportunities left for us. And so this completely changed that for us. And John, I I think Casey and I should mention that our partnership actually began a year before this mentorship. My very first transport at my animal shelter, we decided we wanted to try a transport. We had the capacity for it. We were building a foster program uh, through Maddie's Fund Research Assistance. Our very first animal shelter that we reached out to and pulled animals from was actually Casey's shelter. It was Ardmore. So we had rescued, I think, 40 plus animals um, from them in a December two years ago. So we have really come full circle now for this mentorship, which is really cool. Listen, I'm interested in the relationship and how you've structured it. Because again, people want to do stuff like this. And while Best Friends is growing the program, there are never going to be enough spots. So can we talk about the nuts and bolts of it in a way that people can learn from you if they want to do it on their own? So Shelby, help me understand the structure. Are you pitching ideas and then sort of hoping that Casey agrees? Sure. So I would say that it's actually nowhere near that. I think Casey and I had several conversations of, you know, what are some of the the holes in, in her animal shelter and what do we think we can do to fix them? And so I personally feel that a lot of the ideas and a lot of the line items and measurable outcomes were actually ideas that Casey already had. And I'm really there as support to say, well, why don't we try this? Or did you think about this all the way down to kennel spacing and how to keep healthier cats? And she knew she wanted to do that. 
that wasn't something that I, I pushed on her, but I was able to come in and say, hey, well, these cat condos are incredible, or have you thought about stainless steel litter boxes? So I, I really feel like I am there for support, but to to add things that I have learned along the way, not so much to, to push my ideas. I mean, I have told Casey a million times, like, if it were my shelter, it'd be managed intake all day long, open admission would be out the door. So there are things that we are very, very different on, but we we focus on what we can both do well instead of, I guess, what what could go wrong. So the partnership is quite literally a partnership. I think I'm really there for support. We're very different in, in terms of how we, we work operationally. I created this massive Excel sheet that's like a smart tracker, super robust, and the SVAS is very tech savvy and everything we do is just data driven. Whereas Ardmore, it's obviously very different. They have 10 times more animals coming in on a weekly basis than we do. They're open admissions in some capacity. So they don't always have time to sit on fancy laptops and enter data and talk about it and go through it. So we respect those things though. And so when we need data and we need something nice and complete to put together for for the grant part of the mentorship. That's right up my alley. And then when it's boots on the ground, let's make a small change, whether it's through cleaning or through like a small change in an SOP, that's very much Casey. So communication and and just a very, very peer-driven mentorship. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. And um, we, you know, we had shut down our volunteer program for the last two years because of COVID. Our board wasn't comfortable with it. And then we actually started using the exact same program Shelby's using, which is, was the Golden. And it has already picked up. We've already have quite a few. I want to say over 50 volunteers on our list right now. Um, so that's definitely helping some. And then, like I said, the foster program, I know I had mentioned that earlier. You know, five years ago, it was non-existent. The last couple of years, we've kind of started having more of that. Um, but then now, of course, with transports, we'll also be fostering adult dogs, which we had never done in the past. And um, we had always only fostered neonatals. Um, so that's going to be a big change for us. And I know we've already kind of spread the word about that in the community and they are extremely excited. I have a lot of people that are like, oh, I would love to take an adult dog for two weeks rather than have those puppies to bottle feed. And um, so that's going to make a huge difference for us with our numbers too. And just the overall health of happiness of the animals. So we've got managed intake uh, and the data tracker. What about some other things that you've helped each other with? One thing that I really think sold this mentorship to the board was the SBAS's ability to have a very large volunteer program. And so Casey had someone on her team do a virtual meeting with someone on my team to understand how to even start a volunteer program. They were really having not even a single person come in every week to help walk dogs and do other things. So I think that will be a big game changer later on. The website was really struggling. The very first meeting we had, I said, Casey, I don't know what's going on with the website, but <laughs> it's it's old and I don't like it. What do you think? Um, and so now Casey is connected to different web designers to to get that up and going. So people in the community who want to adopt actually have a more effective way to look at their resources and, and look at the pets that they have in their care. Um, but even just establishing a foster program and securing the items needed to have a really strong foster program, we're very much outside of what you would typically think as a life-saving initiative, right? No one thinks website or, oh, volunteers, but 
if the public can can view your pets, they they are adopted more quickly. And then if you have volunteers enriching animals, they're happier and healthy animals. They take pictures and they share it with their friends. They're adopted a little more quickly, all the way down to a foster program. So for transports, they have a quarantine place where they can go into or if an animal's not thriving and has a bad fear, anxiety, stress score, they have options now. They don't they don't have to first thing while this animal's not doing well, we have to euthanize. Well, we're all busy, really busy. I mean, this work doesn't ever stop, as we know. So making a commitment to another organization, even when your organization is running efficiently, that's still a lot. It's still a lot to offer. So for folks, again, wondering how a structure of this might look, Shelby, how much time are you committing? And how is this happening in a way that you're able to keep up with running your own organization? Sure. So when I approached my board of directors at SVAS about this project, we agreed that we would literally lump it into my responsibilities as the SVAS executive director. We are, as an organization, very passionate about collaboration and mentoring. This was just at a much higher level. So the expectation was that this was part of my job for my own organization to ensure that Casey's organization was successful. When you think of the structure of that, I think it's, you know, based on every individual person. But for me personally, it's thorough communication with with Casey in the beginning. Um, I will say I believe that was the heaviest lift, meeting with the board, um, having the pre-conversations with Casey, building out the tracker, understanding what we wanted that framework to look like. I had to submit something to the best friends team saying, this is where I think we can make the greatest change. This is how we will spend those dollars. So just like any grant, um, you have to put in all of that heavy lifting work in the beginning. So now it's just about executing. Oklahoma's had some crazy weather. Casey has luckily done a really great job. But I think here coming up in the summer months, that's when you're going to see a lot more of my time being devoted, whether it's through executing those high-level transports or even... um, helping with those parvo cases and so forth, which will be a learning curve for me. But in the end, for our organization, this is the priority. So when I wake up in the morning, if Casey needs something or if Kristen and the best friends team have asked me to complete something, it is my job quite literally with our organization to do it. But I wouldn't say on the same side of that, it doesn't take up this excessive amount of time. I'm not doing two jobs because Casey is the executive director. She's doing her job. And I'm really there to be a soundboard and to brainstorm. So for me, it's not that same critical thinking that I have to do in my own shelter. It's really applying all these little things that I already know and walking Casey through them if she needs them, if that makes sense. And I love that, Shelby. You know, it's not looked at as a side project or some added thing. It's just part of what you do. And because it's not that one-way relationship, right? You're saying you're learning and getting things from it as well. So it's true give and take. Same question for you, Casey, I suppose, you know, which is I, for you, you know, you're not the, the mentor, you're the fellow. So things probably are more difficult for you when it comes to devoting time when the life-saving at Ardmore is more challenging, not enough hours in the day before this. So it had to be a shift for you to figure out, you know, how to make this work. It is. I, I hired new staff. <laughs> I hired some more staff to take, kind of take away some of my responsibilities. You know, our shelter staff is very small. You know, I have about 12 people on staff and we take in over 6,000 animals a year. We all 
do pretty much every job. Um, so yes, I did have to hire some more staff to come in and take away some of those little duties that I had to do every day that most directors don't do um, to give me more time to work on these programs. Um, you know, everything I was asking Shelby for, thankfully she's so organized and detailed that she has everything I ask for really quickly and um, that she can just send stuff over to me or answer any questions I have. And it, it does take time, but it's all worth it. It's nothing excessive. It's just, I think in my position in particular, I was doing more than most executive directors do on a daily basis. Um, I was doing a lot of those secretarial jobs. I was doing, I was out walking the kennels. I was doing the medical team job. So once I was able to kind of disperse some of those tasks, um, starting the new programs, getting them implemented, getting, you know, all the staff informed of what's going on. This is how we're going to do it. Really doesn't take that long. It's really just getting it going. And like I said, if if we hadn't had this program, a lot of those things would have taken me years to do that we were able to do in the last two months. So it's been really helpful and it's not, it's worth it. Even if, even if I could sit here and say, oh, it took me all day, every day, you know, just to do this program, it would still be worth it. Um, but that's just not the case. It doesn't take that long when you have someone helping you. I really think that, both organizations did not think of this as something extra. We quite literally built it in to our operation that we're already doing. And I, I think that helped tremendously. So it wasn't this overwhelming extra project. It was, okay, we're going to do this. And it's it's going to be a part of both of our organizations, not something outside of the norm of what we already do on a day-to-day basis. So interesting to me about how you're doing this. Again, you know, regardless of where folks may be geographically or in their progress of, of life-saving, I think it's truly a model to learn from. And I want to make sure we get the most tips and tricks from you both. So how are we defining this, the structure? Is there a charter? Is it something that's sort of formalized and we have delineated roles and responsibilities, or is it just not that formal? I have a extensive, robust tracker that I outlined uh, with an entire folder of everything. So if Casey ever needs SOPs or anything, I just dump it into a Google Drive and it, it's shared with, with the best friends team. So I think that little extra work in the beginning to create that framework is honestly is what helped. And when we think of roles and responsibilities, the way it was presented to me was we're not we're not here to to go in and make change and take over this organization, which is why we chose not to do the embed program, which is where I would physically be there. Um, but Casey and I felt like we had a good enough relationship that we could do it more as a, a peer-to-peer thing. And I, I've mentioned before, I'm learning just as much, I think, as as Casey's learning, uh, which is really nice. So yes, if anyone ever wanted the framework or the outline or anything that we've worked on, as Casey mentioned, I'm very organized, very detail oriented. So it's all in a nice folder that I can send over within seconds. And, and I completely agree. I think the tracker is, it, it seems overwhelming at first, but to me, <laughs> even my board was like, what? Um, but that was very helpful because I am a very much a, and a lot of, so is a lot of my board members very much of, okay, what's our actual time frame? When, what are we doing? When are we doing it throughout this whole project? And I think that was very helpful. And it kind of gives, it kind of gives you a pace to go at. And plus, like she said, everything's there. And if I ever say, Hey, I need your foster manuals that she had sent over to me, you know, she puts them in that folder, it's there. And so it makes things super simple with 
her being that organized in the beginning, I think that's kind of what got us going faster than maybe some of the other programs did. So what's next? You know, sounds like you've already made tons of progress, Casey. Uh, Hopefully you'll be paying that forward maybe and being a mentor yourself in the future. No, we absolutely wouldn't mind being a mentor in the future. If we are, we're going to steal Shelby's tracker because that's just the best thing ever. I will say, just as far as my shelter goes, this year we are planning a lot of events, things to be able to sustain all the works we are doing now to go over into the years to come. We have so many local communities around us. I kind of explained our geographic before. We're 100 miles between Dallas and the city. So we're pretty much it for our area. So everyone kind of comes here. So a lot of those surrounding communities need that help. And I feel like at this point, once we get up on our feet, you know, reaching out to those smaller communities than us and helping them kind of get on their feet would be our next priority for my board and for just the community of Ardmore, period. Because the majority of what we get isn't in Ardmore. It's the surrounding communities that are bringing to us. And Shelby, for you, what do you think the future holds? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to answer this question twofold and just agree with what Casey said for her own shelter. I really see Casey and Ardmore pioneering um, rural animal shelters in their area in terms of taking them to the next level and helping them with SOPs and little things like shelter love, which most of them don't have access to. But so many of the small municipal shelters rely on Ardmore to be the leader. And so whether she's a mentor in this capacity or not, I do believe Casey and Ardmore will do a lot of incredible work for, for the surrounding area. I agree with that, Casey. And I think people are really looking forward to it. They're so excited about her mentorship and what we're doing right now that I think they'll be thrilled to learn in the next year how they can make changes on their own. I'm in a unique position. I'm obviously a remote executive director. I fly back and forth to North Dakota. A lot of that was due to us not wanting to have leadership turnover right after we opened our big $3.5 million facility. We're rolling out a brand new community clinic that we built inside of our shelter. So that in itself has been a pretty, pretty heavy lift, but I'm a military spouse. So Every two years I move. And so I have expressed to best friends, you know, every two years, if there's a a shelter in my neck of the woods that needs help, I'd love to do it. I I imagine that this is something even after my time at SVAS that I would want to volunteer my time for and and just help. I, I really enjoy it. And three years ago, we were essentially in the same boat that Casey was in. And so instead of going through all that heartache and time away from family and all that trauma, when, when having to do a big shelter turnover, I'd rather just give shelters templates and, and give them my brain to say, don't go through all of that. You don't have to, here's everything you need and let me help you. So I hope to do it for the long haul. It makes me excited. And I, I love doing it. I think originally I went in thinking that it was going to be this really strict and firm program. I, you know, was really stressed about it, but, um, luckily the best friends team has consistently maintained that this is what you make of it. You go at your own pace and there are no strings attached, just have fun, make change. And we trust you guys to put your brains together and make magic happen. And I I think that's what, what's happening and what will continue to happen. So if there's anyone who was thinking of being a mentor or a mentee, just try it. I mean, don't knock it until you try it. I know Casey's board and her team was very skeptical, but it is exactly what you make of it. So if you go in positive, you go in willing to 
to put in a little bit of work, um, you're going to come out of the other side unscathed. Thank you to Casey and Shelby. Congratulations to them on their work thus far. And we, of course, wish them continued success. Bestfriends.org slash podcast. Resources for this and every episode on the website, bestfriends.org slash podcast. Thank you to Bethany Hines, Kayla Sebo, Whitney Blyton, Kim Clonch, Tawny Hammond, and Mark Peralta. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.